having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great. But having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0. Welcome to Girl on the Go of the podcast. Where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point, because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Go of the podcast. Happy Wednesday. Did you hear us on NPR this morning? <laughs> or yesterday no. morning for those listening. Legit, like I woke up to texts from my friends. Like all my friends are early risers, first of all. Second of all, a lot of them, even if they weren't just like naturally early risers, also have to be into work like super early. A lot of them work on construction sites or like in film and are like in super early. So they're actually like listening to like the early bird radio. Yeah. So I had texts being like, oh my God, wait, Girl on the Go was literally on the radio. I know. I wish I could listen to it. My my mom's best friend, she's a nurse and she texted, I woke up to text from her and she was like, oh my God, I just heard you on NPR on my way to work. Like what? Casual. Casual. Like I just feel like one, it's so cool because of just like every element. Like it's really cool from the perspective of what we're talking about and why we were featured, which is talking about the evolution of organizing and how dating apps, specifically what we did with NextGen and Christy's idea of who we'll get to in this very episode mm-hmm. is, you know, the future and how meeting young people where they are is so important and all these different things and like actually getting to spotlight the innovative ways in which we're getting young people out the door and to the polls and also just activated politics. But also, it's just fucking cool to be on NPR. Like, that is one of those things. Like, if you told, like, seventh grade me or, I don't know, pick a random grade, like, oh, my God, like, one day you're going to be on NPR, this thing that you use in your classes all the time that, like, I, like, also grew up in such an NPR family. Like, NPR shows, (laughs) always on the radio. It was, like, NPR classical, which, like, you can just guess what my parents are like. But regardless, like... That was yeah. always on. Like I miss the radio. I need to just one day when I'm driving, switch it, just switch the radio on just for the nostalgia. Um, well, see, that's the thing. I don't drive anymore because it's like, yeah, when, where am I driving? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, so I yeah, feel like we're crowd. But if you do yeah. want to hear everything that we are saying on NPR on the radio, is in an article. So we'll link that in the episode description if you want to read about what we're talking about. Again, a lot of it is about this dating app organizing the Wisconsin Supreme Court race and Christy Johnson, who's a genius and who is literally on the podcast today. So it just couldn't be more timely. Mm. Perfection. We love when that happens. Also, mm. I was texting you this before, but I was at the doctor all morning, like new doctor and also amazing. This is the first doctor I've ever liked in my entire life. <laughs> like genuinely, like I had like a great time. I was like, can we keep hanging out? I am not even <laughs> kidding you. I was like having a great time. And so was she. And she literally looked like Christy and sounded like it was like literally if they were cousins, I found out where she was from, not the same area. So I didn't even start naming. I was like, are you related? Like they just, there was no way. 
that I was like, this is weird. Like this is. Yeah. I doubt that she's from Fresno, California. No, no. Totally different state. But I was dying. I was like, what are the odds? Like, how is this a thing? Mm -hmm. And also shout out to just like getting doctors like your age. Like that really does help. Truly, truly, truly. Yeah. Well, one thing we wanted to talk about before we get into this episode with Christy and dive on in is all the madness that is happening in the Tennessee state legislature, not tour, chore. I also, sorry, side note, whoever back in the day decided to make those the words like legislator and tur, I want to sue you. I just, yeah. I'm putting it out there. I don't know it's where I'm getting these imaginary Some, some from, man in a, in a white wig back hundreds of years ago. Goddamn white <laughs> Laid wigs. Laid it out like that. <laughs> Classic. But yes, absolute madness is happening right now. So must we must talk about it. And basically what the deal is, is that Tennessee Republican lawmakers took the first steps Monday to expel three Democratic members of the GOP dominant house for their role in a recent gun control protest at the state capitol. The extraordinarily rare move resulted in a chaotic and fiery confrontation between lawmakers and supporters opposing the move and has further fractured an already deep political division inside the Tennessee state legislature. Resolutions have been filed against reps Gloria Johnson, Justin Jones, and Justin Pearson after they led chants from the House floor with supporters in the gallery last Thursday. The resolution declared that the three had participated in, quote, disorderly behavior and, quote, did knowingly and intentionally bring disorder and dishonor to the House of Representatives. Republican reps Bud Holsey, Gino Bolso, and Andrew Farmer filed the resolutions. They successfully requested Monday that the House expedite the process and vote on the resolutions Thursday. Despite support from the Republican supermajority, their request sparked outrage among supporters watching in the gallery. Their loud jeers led House Speaker Cameron Sexton to demand that they be removed by state troopers. Also during the turmoil, several lawmakers engaged in confrontation on the House floor. Jones later accused another member of stealing his phone and trying to, quote, incite a riot with his fellow members. Hundreds of protesters packed the Capitol last week calling for the Republican-led state house to pass gun control measures in response to the Nashville shooting last week. As the chants echoed through the Capitol, Jones, Johnson, and Pearson approached the front of the House chamber with a bullhorn. As the three shared the bullhorn and cheered on the crowd, Sexton, a Republican, quickly called for a recess. He later vowed the three would face consequences Meanwhile, House Minority Leader Karen Camper described their actions as, quote, good trouble, a reference to the late U.S. Rep. John Lewis guiding principle. By Monday, Sexton confirmed that three lawmakers had been stripped of their committee assignments and said more punishments could be on the way. A few hours later, House Republican Caucus Chairman Jeremy Faison referred to Jones as, quote, former representative during the evening session. Literally trying to expel people. In addition, like just to add some other like color here. Besides mm-hmm. that, they are trying, the Republicans here are trying to paint what the Democrats are doing, which is protesting with people that they represent for gun reform. They're trying to paint it as an insurrection. They're like, it's the insurrection on the Tennessee Capitol. And like, 
It's it's nuts. Then also, quote from a Tennessee rep, Republican William Lambert, just in this general context, he asked students protesting gun violence which gun they'd like him to use when shooting them. If there's a firearm out there you're comfortable being shot with, please show me which one it is. Like, that's his reaction to students asking for gun reform so that they stop dying in classrooms and supermarkets every fucking place that they are. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like, what type of deranged? And then... In addition to that, the fact that one of the reps also was sharing, like, some of the situations that some of these Republican reps have, like, sort of put themselves in. There's a rep that's being, a Republican rep that's being investigated for sexual abuse of women on, or girls, or teenage girls on the basketball team he used to coach years ago. Like, there are, like, multiple scenarios in that larger category of, like, yeah, maybe you you deserve to be investigated and also expelled from your elected office protesting and sharing your voice on a political issue. That's exactly what we want from our elected officials. That's why they're there, to use their voices and use their power as the people, as the dedicated person representing a group of people in a particular district like this is them doing their job the irony of the republicans trying to form like essentially gaslight and then turn it against them is just absolute yeah it's like also the irony of the recent like drag queen bill too it's just so frustrating because that's all about like no drag queens at libraries or like book readings or whatever to protect children and it's like okay how about the children literally being blown to pieces in their classrooms what why is there no movement there? And obviously, like, they have all their, like, bucketed answers as what to say back. And most of them include more guns and giving teachers guns. And it's like teachers already have the shit end of the stick. We treat them like shit. They are there to educate. They spent their education learning how to educate. They didn't spend their education learning how to be a police officer or to right. defend people or to be armed. That is not how this should work that's not the solution and it's it's just so beyond here's the the thing too that like goes paired with that is like even even say you're like okay you know what arming teachers is the way is you know a route to go and you know it's just a part of the job these days or something like that well, you're still not training them more. You're not paying them more. You're not giving them better hours. You're not like doing anything to actually improve their lives. You're just absolutely putting more and more on them. Like if you actually respected yeah. teachers and students, you would be supporting the infrastructure around it, not tearing it down. Yeah. Like it's just every little bit of it is just bullshit. And I just this argument of the kids is just so infuriating i can't it's I like can't get i can't over imagine it. being also like the kid of one of these motherfuckers like i really literally can't. like do you even it makes me think it's like do you even care about your own kids because it's not at this point like these actions to me this is not a difference of opinion that's not we see an issue differently this is like you have to actually be like cuckoo bananas in the brains to think this is the move this is the smart thing to do this is also the right thing to do this is the democracy led but thing that's to the do. thing it's like it's not that it's just that they are covering up and trying to continue to prolong any reform so that they can continue to rake in cash right from the gun lobbyists that pour money and slip them checks under the table and that's what this is and all of their bullshit answers just become more and more stupid because they're trying to just continue to divert the conversation um 
yeah, it's crazy. And this is just also such a lesson in how state government matters and paying attention to yeah. that matters and voting for state legislators that are going to represent you matters and how there's a lot of work to be done to dismantle and break apart power in these super majority state ledges in these red states across the country. Yeah. Um, And honestly, a great plug for Dream for America too. We mentioned yesterday in top stories, we are now senior advisors to the Dream for America team. It's an organization that helps empower Gen Z to be more engaged and bring, you know, their civic power to the forefront, especially looking towards local and state government and how to have an impact there. So if you want to learn more and get involved, definitely go check them out. But yeah, fucking insane and then now it's you know seeing too the way that the supermajority is now stripping elected members of the state legislature stripping their power expelling them from even being yeah. a state legislator anymore which, what the fuck is that i i literally never knew this is a thing which is like what we always say guys like we're always like learning with you guys too like this is something i had no idea this is even possible i don't possible. know and like sitting here in this moment, like I don't know if this is something that every state legislature is able to do or if this is different per state ledge. Like I actually like that's something I hope to have time to like really look into sometime this week. But I I literally when I started seeing that element of the story come out, I was like, excuse me? Like does that mean like you know like how a censure is like a little bit legless? Like it's you know symbolically like not great, but like whatever you live like i at first was like is that what this is is that in that category but it's not and it's just so crazy that like you would be able to just vote out as another legislator a fellow like your colleagues like your colleagues are voting you off the island yeah which is ridiculous because that's they didn't vote that's not their power no the reps didn't vote them in yeah the electorate and that's why i'm like why is this not an impeachment thing and then if it's an impeachment thing then like really show me what they did. Other thing too, the fact that they're even mentioning the word insurrection when probably most of these people deny that the insurrection was even a thing on January 6th. And now you're Literally. using that as a way to explain what's happening in Tennessee, which is just not the case. They are very peaceful protests. Kids are literally like singing and sitting down in hallways. They're not breaking windows and threatening people's lives. So right. let's get that really fucking clear folks because literally just and you know what that's a great moment though to plug one of our favorite resources ever which is the insurrection index by our friends at public wise it's actually in this week's newsletter fyi is a book markable so side note if you're not signed up for our weekly newsletter which has action items resources great reads all the things make sure you are signed up you can go to our website make it easy peasy it'll of course make its appearance on our stories and all that but anyways this index shows you who is involved with the insurrection. There's been like over a thousand people arrested as related to the insurrection. So it's obviously really- And now they're part of the the J6 choir. Literally. (laughs) But over 200 of them are elected members. So just think about that. Just think about that. Also, just really a small side note. Well, first of all, top stories yesterday, we talk about Joe Chella and some Joey B updates. If you don't know what Joe Chella is, go listen to the episode. We talk about Florida and that state legislature and had the insane abortion ban and gun expansion laws that are coming through the Wisconsin Supreme Court race today, aka yesterday for you listening and what to expect on election night in the days to follow. And then the Trump indictment arraignment situation. Apparently the mugshot isn't happening. 
Yeah, I saw that. I read, I think this is The Hill this morning, talking about like the process for it. And there's only going to be a few cameras allowed in for a very short amount of time and no video, only video outside of the courtroom, which is a damn shame. You know, the only thing I will say as, sorry, let me put on my legal team hat over here, is now I don't have to deal with the possible repercussions of if like we're using the image without copyright and not knowing the laws and issues. Well, the thing is, I honestly think that they're not being a mugshot and content of the arraignment and everything. That honestly hurts Trump because the Trump base was really excited to also kind of like use that and like yeah, spin fair. it. So I don't know. Nonetheless. Yeah. Agreed. Plus, it's also like in the world of fake news, like a picture tells a thousand words. You know, it's like you need like it's a legitimizer. Like I can just see someone in QAnon country being like, it, did it really happen though? Like, was he really <laughs> like, the you know shot? What I mean? Yeah. Right. Right. So classic, I don't know. Classic, classic. <sighs> Let's get into this episode. We Do teased it. it enough. Christy Johnson is back on the pod you guys she was our very very first podcast guest ever in 2020 which when she mentioned the literal organizing idea now it's just all we talk about so full circle moment guys totally and literally just god bless her because we did not know what we were doing back in the day like we're (laughs) literally like we were just doing a full yolo you know and like, we didn't know if it was going to work out, but also, too, like, how we were going to sound as podcasters or interviewers. We were like, want to come on our podcast with no episodes and no listens and, like, all those things. And she really did us a solid and believed in our mission, too. So thank you, Christy. And now we're, like, continuing the conversation, which is fab you fantastic. I promise we're not just going to keep talking about dating app organizing. We're talking all about the youth vote and diving into all of the numbers and such and the breakdowns of not only the midterm elections, but 2020, 2020 as well. Because again, we had Christy on right before that election, we talked about how the youth vote was going to turn out. And so we've seen young people absolutely kill it at the voting booths over the past couple of elections. And so we're breaking down what that all really looks like. And then we also look at 2024 because we are expected to be the largest voting block of 2024. And we're talking about whether we see a shift in media attention towards young people, campaigns and political entities actually reaching young people, if there's going to be a shift in priority there. So we get into all the tea and we have a lot of hot takes. We do. Hot takes old takes, medium takes, all the takes. Regardless, let's get into it. So without further ado, here's Christy. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. 
We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral. And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content. And number three, in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting, we are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice. So head to girlonthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of pros custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one-in-a-million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. So you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash girlandgov. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, Christy Johnson, welcome back to the show. Guys, we have our very, very first guest ever back on the show. Like, how does it feel to be back two years later? 
It feels like a lot of time has passed. A lot has changed. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me. And yeah, excited to talk to you guys today for sure. Yeah, like literally whirlwind. I don't know how two years could have happened since, but whatever. We're glad we're at this point. Wait, guys, actually, before we even get into this, did you see that Tiger King is running for president today? I Mm -hmm. did that. It was genuinely it gave me like not just a chuckle but i was like you know what this is weirdly like the therapy i needed for the day but it well, brought so me back to 2020 yeah because i was like also this it's is like a the three-year anniversary of the lockdowns or whatever this week and it's just too much also i didn't even read what party is he running for you saying. know i didn't get that far either i just like laughed and then shared it around the world without even without even yeah. getting that far maybe yeah. the tiger party is that a thing he's gonna start his own party for sure tiger party well again don't brand that that's actually good well again a lot of a lot has changed donald trump used to be our president last time we had you on the show and we also were just like just little noobs getting into this podcasting game so there probably are a lot of people who are new here and don't know even who you are didn't hopefully didn't listen to that episode because while you were amazing we weren't and we're always like (laughs) Not to our first episode. I don't. There, there's no episode. Don't go listen. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even. I don't know what you're talking about. So, for those who don't know, who are you? How did you get here? Being a national press secretary at NextGen. Tell us. Tell us your journey. What? So, thanks for having me back. My name is Christy Johnston. I am now the national press secretary at NextGen America. And yeah, I think my. My story, I'm, I'm really proud of it. At NextGen, I started as a receptionist in 2018. And yeah, I feel like it's just been a roller coaster since then. I somehow stumbled my way here. And yeah, just, just doing this job now. So Obsessed. I mean, literally talk about a win-win. Can you tell us a little bit about NextGen and also like kind of why you first got involved? We're like, you know what? This place is a spot I want to work. Yeah. So we're the largest youth vote mobilization in the country. Our mission is to engage, educate, and register young people to vote. So we target 18 to 35-year-olds across the country. Since 2013, we just hit our 10-year anniversary. Pause for happy anniversary. Pause for applause. Mazel, mazel. We just hit our 10-year, but since then we've registered 1.5 million young people and continuously engage millions more into the political process. So that's kind of who we are. And yeah, I think it's that mission that really drew me to NextGen and and why I'm still around doing this work. That's incredible. And we're going to talk all about the youth vote today, really over the past couple elections and also looking forward to these big future elections as well. So let's just get on into it because NextGen has all the numbers, including that 1.5 million. Is that what you said? Crazy and impressive. Well, to kick it off, let's start and talk about 2020 because when we talked to you, it was like right before the election. So we didn't know what was going to happen yet. We didn't know if the youth vote was going to turn out. That was kind of what our episode was about. And we should break it down. Like really, how did the youth vote perform in 2020? Yeah. I mean, when we're looking at 2020, like you said, Maddie, there was a big question mark on were young people going to be as engaged as they were in 2016, where we saw 39% of young people turn out and also have been on a, an upward trajectory since 2014. So we saw this kind of, you know, increase over the last few years and, and really were 
looking at if that was going to happen again. And it did. We saw record-breaking youth vote turnout for a presidential. 50% of young people ages 18 to 29 turned out. And that, you know, was an 11-point increase from 2016. And this is in a year where we had, I know, I don't think we're using the word unprecedented anymore, but uh, (laughs) it was unprecedented. There's no other word. Against, you know, so many different challenges, we had a vote by mail, which a lot of young people needed resources and education on, you know, in in a a new way to to cast their ballot. We also switched to completely virtual organizing at NextGen and a lot of other organizations did the same thing. We couldn't be in person on college campuses, you know, reaching out in the traditional way that we used to with like clipboards and tabling. So we had to be really innovative in the virtual space on how we were going to engage young people. Also alongside that, like mental health was taking a hit. The country was literally in a in a collapse. So <laughs> it was it was a year that was, you know, very challenging, but young people did it and and we turned out like never before and it was great. Mm-hmm. Well, thinking also to to just the clipboard method of everything. And sort of being on college campuses and getting that feel. And now we're like, we're kind of, you know, we're back in person in a lot of ways. Like what has been sort of the difference between the pre-pandemic on college campuses, activation, clipboard, tabling sort of method and the reactions there versus now? Yeah, I mean, it was a natural transition for us because young people are digital natives. We live on our phones. We consume our information from a lot of different social media platforms. So for us, it, it wasn't it wasn't something that we couldn't overcome. And that's when, you know, you see a lot of the unique ways of getting young people engaged come up, like organizing on dating apps, which was my program in Arizona in 2020. I was going to say, did you like announce that on the on our episode, the first one? I feel like we talked yeah. about it. I think it had. Yeah, I think it had. And we were like, oh, my yeah. God, what a great idea. And yep. you've just been sweeping the nation with it. I know. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And the last year we brought it to the national program. Yeah. So I think, you know, it it was, again, very challenging, but we looked at the climate of what we could do in the digital space and we we killed it. Yeah. Well, thinking of 2022, not 2022, 2020 as well. What were some of the mobilizers for young people in 2020? Like we know Trump was obviously a huge one, but then we had Biden making a lot of promises that hopefully mobilize some young people to turn out and vote for him. Curious what some of those mobilizers and promises were and also like how Biden is living up to those. Yeah, I I mean, I think we saw a lot of different crises in the country come to a head during that time. Like we were looking at and we still are looking at a climate crisis. We're looking at an economic crisis where the first generation is going to be worse off than our parents. And we're also looking at a democracy in decline, a, a democratic crisis. So I think all of those coming together really made for this perfect storm for young people to use their voices in a way that they hadn't before. So I think, you know, you're you're looking at that alongside the leadership at the time, which was Trump. Also, again, COVID being trapped inside, really feeling like we didn't have the power to really go out into the streets like we we would have in the past. We also had the George Floyd protests where we did see people in the streets, but in ash falling from the sky, it was just, you know, again, like a, a really, a really critical time where young people recognized what we were up against and 
came together and and turned out in the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now like looking to 2022, you know, we have Biden in the presidency, like felt like everyone had like in a sense a deep breath, but realistically, like we and we still aren't in a place where we can take a deep breath if like you know anything about really deeply like what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I know we were worried, you know, are people going to show up in 2022 in this midterm election? Midterms have lower turnout. And and also, too, people feeling like, okay, whew, 2020, like we did that. But I think young people really proved in 2022 that they weren't going to sit this one out again. And I'm curious if, like, you saw anything with the, like, just behavior of young voters. Like, sometimes someone gets something once they achieve it, and then they're like, okay, good, we did this, and now moving on, or they don't think about it anymore. Or also, too, sort of that behavior of people where they don't achieve something, they don't win an election, and then they also throw up their hands. And I'm so, I'm curious, like, what you think about, like, the behavior of young voters, like, what they saw from 2020, they took into 2022 and said, yeah, no, we're going to show up again. Yeah, I mean, and that's why, you know, NextGen has been investing in the infrastructure to keep young people engaged. It's not about one election. It's not about a certain candidate. It's about bringing in voters who are going to make that initial vote and then consistently turn out once they become a voter. And, you know, when we're talking about, like you said, 2020, we have to remember Biden was not the youth vote candidate. Um, that was Bernie Sanders for the for the most part. I mean, he was definitely a, a unique sell for us to young people, just given the demographic, like we are the youngest and also most diverse generation in American history. So I think selling an old white man like Biden was, was definitely hard for us. But, you know, young people did it anyway. They came out, they elected him. And, you know, since then, we've been starting to see some real change around the issues that we've been fighting for. So we're looking at, you know, a lot of the policies that a few years ago seemed so outlandish to be talking about come to the forefront of the agenda because young people have been organizing because they've been staying engaged. So when we're looking at the biggest climate legislation in history with the Inflation Reduction Act, we're looking at marijuana reform, you know, canceling student debt, although it's had its you know hiccups recently. These are all issues that young people have been leading and that Biden has been listening to and has been acting on recently. Mm-hmm. Well, looking at some numbers as well for 2022, how did the youth vote end up performing? What were some of those kind of like big takeaways from the numbers you guys have at NextGen? Yeah, so a lot of the reporting that you're seeing, well, all of the reporting that you're seeing now is still being done based off of exit polling, which a lot of people are not aware of. We're just now getting back numbers from our states that we're doing, you know, analyzation of and we'll start putting out soon, but that won't be until like the end of March. So right now we're looking at, I know it's insane. So what we saw, again, based off exit polling was 27% of young people ages 18 to 29 turning out in the election. This was the second highest youth votes turnout in the midterm in the last 30 years. And that was only behind 2018, where we saw 31%. Wow. Which is impressive, but also like still low, which shows we need to keep activating and organizing And I'm curious what your POV is on 2023 as a, you know, a year where there are plenty of elections, albeit not the midterms, not a presidential year. And then also what you think the youth vote will look like in 2024, which is that big presidential year with like all the buzz and all the press and all the eyes and sparkles and whatever. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could say, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's low. Like it, it was on par with 2018. And I was worried at the time that reporters would kind of take that at, at face value and not really do, which would be irresponsible reporting, but, and not really do the digging behind the importance of that 27%, because when you're looking at the margin of young people, 18 to 29, that voted for Democrats versus any other age group, it's so significant. You're looking at, I think, 28% of young people favor Democrats versus a very, very tiny margin for 30 to 44. It was like, I think, 51% to 47. And then the last two age groups favor Republicans. So when you're looking at who is behind the stopping of this like quote unquote red wave that Republicans were talking about for months before the election, you it's clearly, clearly young people. So like you said, Sam, too, like when we're looking at 2023, a lot of our focus this year is around legislative priorities. So we're really focused on, you know, state advocacy as a lot of these different bills are coming up in the different states. And yeah, using this time to really prep for 24 and what we're going to see in the Republican primary, especially whatever is going to come up there, what who's going to be the nominee, and then really, you know, building support around who's going to be the the Democratic nominee, which is likely going to be Biden. Yeah. Do you think that there was recognition of the youth vote and what they did in 2022 in the press, like especially with your work specifically in your day to day? Like, how was it kind of getting that word out there of like, literally Democrats would be nothing without us. So is that like something that you kind of felt like wasn't getting a recognition or, you know, airtime that you wanted it to, or kind of like, what's, what's the temperature right now of like what people are actually believing as far as like the power of the youth vote? Well, yeah, it's funny you asked that, Maddie. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we got the recognition that we deserved. I was definitely frustrated to see a lot of hesitancy from media, you know, to give young people the the credit that was due. We, again, like saved Democrats asses in the midterms, but we weren't getting the headlines that supported that. Yeah. And, you know, even before the election, there was this like, I wouldn't say movement, but there was definitely this like climate of reporters that were setting up this narrative that young people were not going to turn out. And that was the most like frustrating experience to go through, especially when they would do like comparisons to or yeah, comparing 2020 turnout to 2022 or, you know, just making kind of like really false comparisons like that was really unfair because you can't compare a presidential year to a non-presidential year. Like, of course, it's, you know, gonna, it's gonna go down. So even just catching wind of that before the election was really disheartening. And I, I understood right after why a lot of reporters didn't want to write about it because they didn't want to do their, you know, stories around exit poll data. And like I said, now that we'll have that in late March, we'll have a bigger opportunity to start pitching those stories a little more aggressively as we start analyzing it. But I really want to make sure that we're painting that full picture around what the actual turnout was. And when you're looking at a lot of key races, like the Fetterman's race in Pennsylvania, you know, he won by, I think, like three points over Dr. Oz. And you look at the breakdown of who was supporting him by wide margins, and that's young people the other age groups weren't. You're looking in Michigan, 
where, you know, young voters, 1829, voted for Whitmer by 62%. And we led a governing trifecta in the state now. And now we're seeing a lot of progress being done on that end. And you're also looking at Wisconsin. There are just so many different states where Sudan was in, that we're organizing in, where we, you know, led these key races for democratic success. Yeah, I think I can like so relate to that frustration on so many levels. I think Maddie and I both can. But like one of the things that like we've talked about before is the press creating the situation like these predetermined results. So it's like if for months you're saying it's going to be a red wave, it's going to be a red wave. And then people go, OK, well, then my vote doesn't matter. And then they don't turn out. Then we have a situation where you've like, in a sense, created like a voter suppression. Because you've already created the temperature, you've created the context and the environment, and you've made people feel hopeless, or at least like their action has no value to it. Curious, like why you're seeing this as far as just people kind of discounting the youth vote, especially Democrats looking at this huge election coming up in 2024. Why wouldn't there just be all the energy put there to mobilize this group? Like, do you have an answer as to why they still aren't getting on that page? Is it because of the issues that young people care about? Or what do you think? What's your theory as far as why they're not getting the picture? I think Democrats realize that we've been saving them for the last few years. I think like when we haven't been excited about certain candidates, we're still showing up and voting. And I think it's not really on... I mean, it's it's on elected officials to respond to like the policy needs of of young people. But I think in terms of like organizing young people, it really comes down to investment in organizations like NextGen. So we're the ones really like with the boots on the ground, making the personal outreach to young people to get them to cast their ballot. Like, and, and it really comes down to the motivation of of young people at its core and in a lot of ways next gen really plays that like fire aspect of of making sure that young people not only have their resources but that they're excited to vote and so our job is to really get that encouragement behind certain candidates and really do that kind of hard work of making the calls and the texts and the events and that really comes down to to investment in advocacy groups like next gen Totally. totally. But it's just like frustrating that it has to like yeah. fall onto that, yeah. like those kind of external groups who yeah. really you guys are motivated by kind of the mission and the passion behind the work. Whereas like just I don't know, it just looking at a Democratic Party and like they want to win, I would assume that's their bottom line. There's a clear pathway to do that. It's just like really interesting when you think about like why they're not, I guess, getting there yet or prioritizing that yet. I I have some theories, but I've been really yeah. just like pushing out my making you think theories on the show. So I'm no. gonna like roll it back a little bit so I don't become a yeah, conspiracy theorist. I was gonna say we're <laughs> we're getting real close. <laughs> I know. I need to reel it in before someone comes for me, but it's fine. Like you've already been memed on TikTok. So like it really it got yeah. much more ridiculous. Best day, Best day of my life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wanna yeah. see it. I haven't seen it. I'll yeah. No, I literally first saw I was doing like press searches. I was like, oh, I like wonder if we've been featured anywhere. And it was like, no, 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 like random things coming up. And then it was just Maddie full on. It's like, hideous, and I was like this hideous is... screenshot of me on so TikTok. Just no. like, Thank you so much. But then what you want, Harry said, then, you know, like the typical Democrat on TikTok, he was like recently memed a whole bunch and was like, 
making a whole TikTok about it. And I was like, oh, you've made it. Like, you finally, welcome to the club. Welcome to the memed people. Like, I really it's a rite like of I passage. It. Like, it's fine. Bye. Yeah. Nonetheless. I'm happy for you, Maddie. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. My mom's really proud. Yeah. That's what counts. Well, what also counts is what the Republicans are doing in terms of organizing with young people as well. Because obviously we can organize on the Dem side, but the Republicans are organizing on their end as well. We kind of have to see, you know, what that breaks down to be. And I'm curious what those mechanisms are. Like I've heard of Turning Point doing a lot of organizing. What are the organizations on the Republican side of things that are working with young people or trying to tackle the youth voter turnout scenario? Yeah, I mean, KJ has some stories with Turning Point, don't you? Too. And let's be clear about Turning Point. They're, the Most of their budget goes to cable TV. So if they're trying to reach young people, I, I don't know. Not a lot of my friends watch cable TV. That's for sure. I think what I'm most concerned about, though, especially this year and the coming years, is this recognition from Republicans, finally, that young people are a formidable voting bloc and that they need us. And my biggest concern around that is funding. We've already seen like a windfall of money come into orgs like Turning Point, which will give them a significant advantage in the space and organizing. When it comes down to their, you know, actual tactics or strategy, I I spend no part of my day thinking about what they're gonna what they're gonna get up to. But <laughs> I, I am yeah, I'm, I'm scared about the money portion for sure. Because yeah, now that you know other people like Charlie Kirk or some other Republicans, young Republicans who have ran recently are really, you know, sounding the alarm for Republicans to finally invest in in young people. It's it's definitely going to be something to look at and to something that we're going to have on our radar moving forward. Yeah, I'm also so just interested in the whole Nikki Haley of it all, just because mm, I feel like true. a lot of her campaign so far has really been like highlighting how young she is also kind of coming after old people which is like we we come after old people in like a different way but she's like actually just attacking them for being old and it seems to be this tactic that I you know I think is really a priority for her campaign and really highlighting her young age and highlighting Biden's really old age and really a lot of different electeds older ages and I'm just curious to see how that all plays out because I think not only her campaign, but really the Republicans as a whole, like you said, are kind of catching on to like, we literally are doomed unless we can retain some of the, these voters. Yeah. I mean, you look at like Sarah Huckabee. Huh? Sarah <laughs> Huckabee. Yes. The weirdest name ever, don't worry. Huckleberry. Yeah, I almost heard that. <laughs> Huckleberry. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I kind of like that better. That- Something like that. Yeah. She's doing the same thing, trying to, you know, make an emphasis of her young age and how she's going to be mobilizing young people. I don't know. I, I think what I've seen so, so far from them is that, you know, Republicans have really put themselves in a pickle. They, you know, haven't been investing in young people. They haven't been recognizing our needs or, you know, our wants as a generation. If you're not responding to that, I I don't know how much success you're going to have now starting organizing, you know, in the last really, well, really like investing the money this year moving forward and then, you know, kind of having like half, you know, I don't know what kind of. Yeah. And they have, they've not only like not been 
you know, addressing young people's needs, but they've all, they've literally been the antithesis of young people's needs. Yeah. And they would have a lot, they have a lot of recovering to do. I think with this demographic, it's, I think they have dug themselves a little too deep, too deep to yeah. attain, you know, the youth vote at this point, but yeah. fingers crossed that obviously remains, but. Yeah. I mean, and that's why it's cool too. And, and really like advantageous for progressive organizing in general to have orgs like next gen who started 10 years ago and who has like built the infrastructure to really create this movement of young people who are engaged and passionate and who are now our voters who really feel like they have the tools to continue this momentum. So we, I don't know, we're, we're not stressed about what they're, they're going to do, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't really like the, the money that's coming down for them. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> yes. Valid. Truly. Yeah. yeah. The money trail and all this stuff is like always so scary, especially yeah. right now. I feel like I'm not sure if it's scarier because I feel like there's been more reporting, more eyes on it and we're just more hyper aware of it. Or if it's scarier because like it seems to be that there's a huge increase in it and a lot more of it is dark money, sketchy, sketchy. Right. I don't know. Either yeah. way. Don't love it. Don't love it. Look, though, if someone wants to donate to me personally, I will take it. I, I'm i happy to receive donations, preferably in the form of shoes. Huge fan. Drop your Venmo. Uh, so. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to throw it in. Oh, it'll be in the description, the show notes. It's fine. Like, feel free to send me a pair of like really cute heels. Thank you, everyone listening. That said, that said, we got to get back to this voter situation, which is talking about sort of the process for registering a vote. Like, oh my, registering a vote? Registering? <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> the process for registering to vote. What does that look like for you guys? Like, what is the organizing tactic that you guys use to make that happen? Are there more than, are there several tactics that go into place? Like, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, I mean, once we understand a voter file in each state, we want to make sure that we're reaching people that wouldn't have been reached otherwise. So we want to make sure that we are doing that initial outreach, that we're getting them registered. And then again, once they're voting, making sure that they're consistent voters, making it habitual, making sure that they're pattern voters. So that's really what our process looks like. Yeah, well, we, all, we always talk about too, like kind of the next steps after you register someone like we always wonder like, okay, they're registered. But is someone like holding their hands to the polls? Because that's also such a big step because learning about your ballot, getting there can also be an intimidating process, not just registering. So like, do you guys do that? Do you guys kind of pass on to another organization that does that kind of how does that work? Because I think that's such an important step. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say like hand holding, but we are our big thing is building a list reaching out to that list and then making sure that we're doing as much following up as we can, whether it be texting, calling, getting them signed up to volunteer. We really want to make that relational organizing an important part of our outreach in general to make sure that, you know, they feel welcome in our community to continue to vote and continue to advocate for the issues that they care about the most. Mm-hmm. Period. Well, just to kind of close thinking about 2024 millennials and gen z are expected to be the largest voting block in the country officially by 2024 i believe so you guys have a lot of people to register 
what, first of all, are you kind of seeing? I think maybe like you mentioned, you're kind of waiting for those numbers from 2022. Do you think that's going to really like whatever those end up being is really going to shift the conversation in the press as far as like looking into 2024 and whether people finally like wake up and start prioritizing this group? Like what kind of are you seeing looking to 2024 and also how is next gen preparing? Yeah, well, if I do my job well, I, I, hope we, <laughs> I hope we start turning that narrative around that, you know, it was young people that saved Democrats. I think for 2024, we're going to be using a lot of the same tactics that we have been using and really building on a lot of the successful campaigns that we've run, one of them being our influencer program. So we reached over 70 million young people on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, every social media essentially platform essentially using influencers who have thousands and millions of followers. So we were able to get them to share our links and get them to use their audiences to become civically engaged. That has been our most successful program so far, especially this year where we were able to get athlete influencers to join us. We had a college athlete program where it was the first time in history when college athletes were able to make a profit off of their name, image, and likeness after a Supreme Court ruling last summer. So NextGen took advantage of this and started using them as spokespeople on their different platforms to get young people engaged. So we have something like that that's been really exciting. Also campaigns like Hot Girls Vote, again, dating dating app organizing. We use like dating apps like Hinge, Tinder, Bumble to reach out to our matches and get them registered to vote. So yeah, I think just continuously looking for new ways that we can reach young people where they're at and give them the resources that they need is our biggest priority. Totally. With the dating apps. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> well, also too, like for Maddie and I, like our conversations are automatically political from the jump, like on dating apps and then oh, on a really? date. Because people are like, especially if you even like get us onto the date, like yeah. the first thing the dude's going to say is like, oh, like, what do you do for work? And it's like, oh, well, we like work in politics. Yeah, and then it's like, well, <laughs> all right. And then it off- automatically becomes a conversation. So Sometimes they go well, sometimes not so much, but like just, you know, really depends. But regardless, just on my profile, even I have like a podcasting pick and then something like political as well. And it's like it automatically starts the conversation. What I find is really interesting, though, is whenever like I have liberal on there, too, is when I get a conservative guy that likes the podcast pick. Oh, interesting. And I've been getting, yeah. And that is I've been the getting one, that a like, lot recently. The one thing on Hinge that I will always include because I'm like, just I am always putting liberal on there because I'm like, just don't even, don't even come over here if <laughs> that's if that's not for you, you know? Because I've just been through too many conservatives in my life. You have secret closeted ones <laughs> that I'm just like, don't come near me if that's the case. It's fine, but just not me. I'm not your girl. But anyways, we're obsessed. How can people get involved with NextGen and what you guys are doing? Is there anything you can shout out where people can find you, all the things? Yeah, I mean, I would just say go to our website, nextgenamerica.org, backslash vote. That's our voting hub where you can 
look at volunteer opportunities or also just resources that you need personally and join us there. Ooh, well, Bye. everyone go get involved for races this year and of course looking at 2024. Thank you, Christy, for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Hey, can't, can't wait for round three one day. And that's it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.